All right, we're starting it over. <laughs> I hit record. Rookie mistake. Sorry, Scott. I swear to God, but you know what I didn't uh, do is I didn't look to verify that numbers were moving. I didn't. Rookie mistake. You're right. You're right. Here we go. No, I'm just teasing you, Scott. I made that mistake still today. No, uh, nope. I deserve it. I deserve it. That is that is as rook as it gets. Because uh, born yesterday. Don't act new. All right, here we go. Your health is the currency that enables you to do all the things that you want to do. And that's why you should care about men's health. That's the name of this podcast. Who cares about men's health? Giving you information and inspiration to better understand and engage in your health so you feel better today and in the future. My name is Scott Singpill. I'm the manager of thescoperadio.com and I care about men's health. I'm Dr. Troy Madsen. I'm an emergency physician at the University of Utah and I care about men's health. I'm Dr. Benjamin Chan. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist here at the University of Utah. And I also care about men's health. All right. We talk about the core four on the show, of course. Troy, why don't you go ahead and remind our listeners what the core four plus one more is. Uh, don't make me do this, Scott. <laughs> you know, I Well, that's why we made the it the core four to make it easy. I know. <laughs> Seriously. Troy, teach uh, me about the core four. <laughs> uh, diet, exercise, sleep, mental health. And the fifth one, the one more besides the core four is know your genetics. Yeah, those are the things if you pay attention to will help you stay healthy now and in the future. And of course, mental health is a big one that us guys generally don't talk about or think about that often. That's why we have Dr. Chan on today. So even though you're a child psychiatrist, can you talk to us about adult manly things? I can do it my best. And sure, yes, I'll try to talk about manly things. Today. And, uh, you know, for the our women listeners who I know that we have women listeners, no jokes about how having a child psychiatrist on a men's health show is just perfect because we, we're, we're not laughing at that joke that we have the psyche of children. OK, we're not we're not laughing at that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, Dr. Chan, before we get to what I wanted to talk about today, which was uh, the practice of showing gratitude, you know, we're coming up on Thanksgiving it's in the name of the holiday, Thanksgiving. But a gratitude practice is actually just a really good way, from what I understand, to remain mentally healthy. And I want to get your take on that and talk about that a little bit. But first, I want to talk about what are you seeing right now as a result of COVID? Have things changed in your practice from a mental health standpoint? They definitely have, uh, Scott. And yeah, like it's first of all, I just hope everyone is safe and healthy and doing the best they can out there. And I'm glad you're listening to this podcast. Um, as a way just to learn more. And yeah, we're about eight, nine months into this pandemic and we're definitely in a marathon. And, you know, going back to your question, how has this impacted mental health? Uh, we're seeing higher rates of depression, anxiety, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder um, across the board. And this has been incredibly taxing for men and women alike, as well as for children and adolescents. Because uh, we're living in truly unprecedented and challenging times. Um, how we communicate, how we connect to others uh, has been dramatically altered. Uh, many of us who are used to working are now doing it through Zoom or teleconferencing. Um, children and adolescents who are going to school have had their school schedules disrupted. It is incredibly hard and difficult right now. And just the amount of stress, anxiety that is placed upon us uh, during these times uh, is just um, totally new and unexpected, and it's just ongoing, going back to my marathon marathon comment. And Ben, I'll tell you, Scott has run a marathon. I've run a marathon. I would much rather run a marathon than do this, I'll tell you that. But you're right, it is a marathon. I think we thought, you know, that two-week shutdown in March, that it was going to be a sprint and we would get through the two weeks and every we'd emerge on the other side of that and everything would be back to normal. But I, I keep telling people, hey, 
Put circle 2022 on your calendar and maybe that's when things will be back to normal. Maybe. Dr. Chan, question for you. So um, if there's a guy or a person listening and they're like, oh, this hasn't affected me, I'm fine. Um, Is that generally true or are we just not in tune to uh, the symptoms that are indicating that maybe we're not fine? So if someone's thinking that they're fine, I would say that is probably true for a small minority of people, the vast majority of us are not fine. And I would argue that if someone feels that they're quote unquote fine, I'm not sure that is also true for their loved ones or their family members or the person they interact with at the grocery store or their, you know, their local school, or if they belong to a church, like this is impacting everyone everywhere. And when people are stressed or overwhelmed or feeling isolated around you, it's going to impact you eventually. So even if people feel fine right now, I don't think that's sustainable. It is tough. And it's been, it's interesting you mentioned that about maybe thinking you're fine and maybe you're not fine. I've found it kind of interesting, these studies that have shown how many people report, you know, increased anxiety, depression, et cetera, et cetera. And for me, the most surprising things out of these is that more people aren't reporting that. Like it's doubled or, you know, what's your take on that? Do you think people are underreporting or maybe in denial over some of the symptoms they're having? Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, there's definitely a denial piece to it and underreporting symptoms. I think all of us manage our stress differently. Um, I think people are kind of going to extremes, as it were. Um, you know, just again, this is all very anecdotally because like this is unfolding real time. Uh, I, I've had a number of uh, patients and colleagues tell me that they have children or adolescents who are just binging more video games or mm-hmm. watching more Netflix or just kind of tuning out reality, turning more towards social media reading the comment section on social media, commenting on social media. Um, there, you know, anecdotally, I'm hearing higher rates of drug abuse or mm-hmm. difficulty sleeping. Uh, right now, one thing that is thriving is all the drive throughs So again, is it a positive coping skill to go to your favorite restaurant? Um, I think it's normal to kind of go out to eat, um, but going multiple times a week is probably not as healthy. And I think that violates one of the core four, um, as it were. So I think all of us are running towards coping skills that are not really positive, especially in big doses, such as social media, plugging in, eating out. Like These are all things that people are turning to. And that, Troy, is maybe why it's being underreported. That's funny. Yeah, I was going to say, it's funny you mentioned that about eating out. Every night we look at doing something. My wife and I were like, oh, we'll go to a movie. Oh, there are no movies. Oh, what about a show? Oh, there are no shows. Oh, let's go eat out again. Let's go through the drive-thru. So, so yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, I've got little kids and we've uh, turned to Crown Burger because they give out the great <laughs> kitty cones and my kids love those. And I, again, before the pandemic, that was like, Maybe we would go on the weekend once, and that's yeah. turning into more than once a week. <laughs> now it's like yeah. every other night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so us guys um, can sometimes be notorious for not recognizing when we're stressed, when we're anxious, when you know we just think it's part of life, or just kind of discount those feelings. It sounds like maybe one thing that might indicate that mentally you're you've got something going on is what you just described. Are you binging things? Are you doing some things to excess? I I consider those distractions, right? Like I'm trying to distract myself from whatever it is going on. It sounds like that might be one indication. What are some other indications? I mean, it manifests itself differently in everybody, right? So what are some other indications that somebody might be dealing with some mental issues and not even really be aware of it? Like I've heard getting angry could be one of them. Losing patience could be another. Is is that true? 
Yeah, I agree with that, Scott. That's all true. Um, yeah, people just, if you feel your temper, if you're just being short with people, if you're not being as patient, um, that is definitely a warning sign because that's not who you are. Uh, but I think everyone right now is stressed. And stress, again, as we talked about, manifests itself very differently. Another one that came into my mind too, Scott, is just lack of concentration, the inability to focus. I don't know how many people I've talked to told me that projects that used to take a short amount of time now take a lot longer. That book you pick up at night to read, now people are like tuning out after a couple of pages. It's just much more difficult to focus uh, right now. And that is definitely a warning sign of stress, depression, and anxiety. Maybe it's just me, but it seems like on the road, like people are just edgier, you know, like more aggressive drivers. And I, I, there's certainly been an increase in traffic fatalities. And they've said, well, <clears throat> it's because there aren't as many people on the road. So people are driving faster. But I, I wonder if that's a manifestation as well. People are just kind of edgier and, and more aggressive and, you know, maybe one other symptom of this we're seeing as you well. You know, um, so if you notice some of these symptoms, of course, that can impact your health, not only your, your emotional health, but your physical health, as Dr. Chan said, maybe if your outlet is drinking too much or eating the wrong kinds of foods too often, that might not necessarily be healthy. Uh, so what are some things that one could do to perhaps put themselves in a better mindset? First of all, we can't take of other people. We can't, we cannot take, care of people around us if we cannot take care of ourselves. So, you know, I've, I've, I've always been, I've been more and more preaching self-kindness, self-awareness, taking breaks. Um, the analogy, I know we talked about a marathon early, but earlier, but I've really uh, advocated exercise and going for walks um, just to start healing yourself. And that helps with sleep. That helps um, with body regulation. Um, I really believe that we just need to be less hard on ourselves because going back to what I said about the projects and I I'm guilty of this too. Like I'm not responding to emails as quickly. Um, I'm not as effective in a meetings because I, our brains aren't used to zoom. Um, the cognitive load of trying to balance all these different things uh, with my, with my team um, across, like, you know, everyone's working from home, everyone's working remotely, things just take longer. And so I'm just trying to be much more patient, both with my family, as well as the people I work with, just knowing that everyone is doing the really the best job they can. And people's efficiency is not as strong as it once was. Troy, do you have a gratitude practice in your life? Uh, that's a great question, Scott. You know, I, I know you've mentioned you do journaling and that's something I do as well. And I think since we've talked about it, I've tried to do that more consistently on a daily basis. And as part of that, I, I do try and think through th some of the things I'm grateful for. So it is sort of a process every morning of doing that. And so, you know, I've long believed that, yeah, like gratitude and, and expressing gratitude and and feeling gratitude certainly makes a big difference. And it's probably become a lot more important to me during the pandemic and during what we're experiencing. Uh, yeah, you're right. I do journal and I try to come up with three things I'm grateful for every day. And some days it's really hard. But I, I find that just the act of looking for that makes me feel better about things. And sometimes that gratitude might be, hey, you know what? I learned a new skill today. Or, hey, I got this major project done. And it gives me a chance to be grateful for something that I might not have necessarily thought about and then would have just let my mind go, all right, what do you got to do next? It's like a little little party, a little celebration, right? Uh, Dr. Chan, do you have a gratitude practice? And um, has it been proven to help people feel better and actually help their mental health? I do have a gratitude practice. Um, I, I like to send thank you notes. Um, and especially in today's age of email and social media, uh, I really feel like a hand 
written letter of gratitude goes a long, long way. All of us on this call used to remember a time when we would run to the mailbox to look for mail. Now mail, email comes to us instantaneously, but I still think a really nice, well-written card or letter really can touch people in a positive way. And as I alluded to earlier, um, yeah, I think people are looking for a way to connect to others. And even if you can't meet with your loved ones, even if you can't um, meet with your team, your work colleagues, I still think there are other ways to express gratitude. So the research has shown that people who express gratitude have lower rates of depression, increased rates of, ha- increased rates of happiness. They feel connected to others. There's a, a warmth there. There's an ability to have empathy. Because um, again, all of us are working incredibly hard. Everyone is doing the best job they can. And to have a meaningful way to say thank you goes a long, long way to feeling that you were listened to and heard. The research also talks about the ability to form alliances and building trust between people when you express gratitude. And, you know, I know this is a men's podcast. And so I was looking up some other literature and there's this old stereotype that I'm I'm not sure if all of you have tackled that men are a little bit less likely than women to express their emotions. I think this gratitude concept falls into that. Uh, Men are slightly less on average, again, it's a very stereotypical comment to express gratitude um, to, our, to others uh, as opposed to women. So I think there is something there. And I think, again, this is let's use this time as an opportunity to say thanks and have men thank the, the people around them uh, for either the love or the jobs well done. And Ben, it sounds like it's it's not just so much, you know, like Scott and I are talking about, just like writing it down. It's more that expression of gratitude and that connection that comes to others as we, you know, let them know we're thankful for what they do, what they do, what we're thankful for their role in our lives or, or whatever that, that may be. Yeah, Troy, I think we've been doing gratitude wrong. Uh, Dr. Chan, I thought, I, I thought gratitude was just, I thought the gratitude practice was finding, you know, two or three things every day that you were thankful for. But it sounds like... Um, Truly, it's it's reaching out and connecting to somebody, or are they both gratitude practices that could give you benefits? Well, Scott, I would say both. The way you you phrase that, yeah, I mean, you, you the gratitude practice, yes, you can identify two or three things every day that you're grateful for. Um, but again, we're in a pandemic; people feel isolated, people don't feel listened to or heard, um, people are feeling a little scared. Um, so I, I think this is an opportunity to connect to others and give thanks for who they are and what they are, like what they are in your life, right? So if I asked all the listeners out there, who are the five people you're most thankful for? Some of you will think about your wives, your husbands, your partners. Some of you may think about your childhood friends. Some of you may think about your coworkers. When is the last time you said thank you to them? When's the last time you? took a break, took a pause and connected with them and just generally let them know you're, you're appreciative of who they are and what they are. To me, that's that Thanksgiving. That's what we're trying to do. And so, uh, yes, I would argue that there's a connection aspect to it. Troy, I really appreciate that you're in my life. Thanks, Scott. And I appreciate that you're in mine. And Ben, I'm grateful you're on our podcast. This is so cheesy. I love it. What I'm getting at, though, is that feels weird. Like I tend to be even though I grew up on a ranch, which has its own, you know, stereotypes, right? My dad was as stereotypical of a rancher as you could get. I'm a little bit more sensitive as my mom likes to describe it. And sometimes <laughs> when I, when I do say things like that to other men, like, I really appreciate that you did that for me. Thank you very much that, you know, and I maybe might give a specific reason why that made a difference to me. I, I feel like guys pull away from that. Like 
like I'm I'm stepping yeah, over some line I shouldn't have stepped over. Like I did it too yeah, much. Yeah, you don't need to do it on a podcast in front of hundreds of thousands of people who listen to this. Definitely, I think you underestimated our numbers, Ben. But go on. <laughs> we'll forgive you. Yeah. We'll forgive you. But, but think about how hard you worked on a project, Scott. And if someone, your boss, your supervisor, you know, we all have bosses, we all have supervisors. Just that short little email, like, "Hey, Scott, that was a great job." Like how much that would mean to you, right? Um, so I'm not saying it has to be in person or over a podcast. Everyone accepts praise. Everyone accepts that ability to connect in different ways. Um, and I think that's who we are. Like we, like we as humans have different ways of communicating our emotions to others. Um, so what I guess what I'm saying is this, uh, this gratitude idea, this gratitude project, what are some ways you can express express gratitude to those around you? And it might be a handwritten note. It might be an email. It might be a phone call. It might even be a text. I mean, my best friend from high school, I still, I don't talk to very often, but just, I get really sweet texts from him every once in a while. And um, it just makes the world to me. And I save all of those. So I think you just have to know your audience. Who are the, who are the people you're trying to connect with? So I'm just, I'm feeling guilty now. I just, I feel guilty. I'm thinking about my best friend from high school. I haven't been in touch with him in probably seven or eight years. And yeah, I, I, I really, and like you said, this is a time where I think we just need so much more connection and just a text or something just to say thank you to someone. You know, I'm sure it means a lot to that person, but just personally, just to have that connection, I think can help us uh, us out a lot. Dr. As well. Chan, I think you've given us uh, all a really great idea as we head into Thanksgiving, especially a Thanksgiving unlike any Thanksgiving that we've had. Um, it might be a Thanksgiving where uh, we might decide as a family unit, uh, each one of us, that perhaps getting together with other family units, as we have in the past, is not necessarily a great idea this year, but there are other ways it sounds like you can reach out and let somebody know that they matter to you and they mean something to you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a family member. It could be a friend, somebody you haven't talked to in seven years, and you don't have to go all Scott on them. You don't have to get all gushy. Maybe start with just a thank you and then see how they accept. Because I mean, like you described your interaction with your friend as, as these sweet texts, which to hear a guy say that about a text from another guy is kind of a little strange. Yeah, but... I I, as a psychiatrist, I like to feel that I'm in touch with my emotions <laughs> and yeah, I just, the people in your life, be it men or women who care about you, um, they let, they'll, they'll communicate that to you in very profound, meaningful ways. And, you know, stuff like all of us have bad stuff happen in our lives. I mean, the, the thing that's impacting all of us right now is a pandemic, but all of us have had breakups. We've had loved ones pass away. We've had, we've received failing grades. We didn't get that promotion at work and just those negative emotions are, are really difficult. And how do you leave them when someone reaches out to you that cares about you and just lets you know they're thinking about you and you can share some of that burden with them? Um, so when I say sweet texts, like, you know, like um, I, I can just think of moments in my life where I felt pretty down and my best friend reached out to me and just let, him, let me know he was thinking about me and he was thankful that I was his friend. I'm, and that just meant a lot yeah. to me. So that's why I meant by sweet gotcha. texts. So I, Scott, I didn't even think twice. I thought Ben Ben was just like, sweet, man. <laughs> It was so sweet. Sweet text. <laughs> Send me this link to this awesome ACDC video. <laughs> I love your challenge, Dr. Chan. Think of five people that mean something to you. Reach out to them. Let them know. Um, even if it's just reaching out to say hi, it sounds like. Yeah. How many times have each of us or any of us just kind of been like, wow, I haven't thought of that person in forever. And we were so close at one point. Well, when they pop into your head, then sometimes you're like, well, maybe I'll reach out. And you're like, eh, nah, I don't want to interrupt him or anything. Maybe instead of going that path, you go the path of reaching out. That might be a good place to start. 
I mean, the weird thing is, and I talked about this too, is like we exist in this culture right now where we spend hours Netflixing and binging or social mediaing, but compare that to how many times you've had like a real conversation with someone you care about in your life. I mean, it's like the, the ratio is like dramatic. So it's just, I don't know. That's what I'm just kind of recommending and talking about. Like just connect with others. Get out of Twitter, maybe text to call a friend uh, and show a little bit of gratitude this Thanksgiving. It could do wonders for your mental health. Dr. Chan, thank you so much for being on the podcast and thank you for caring about men's health. Paging Dr. Troy Madsen to Scope Studio for ER or not. ER or not, that's where we throw out a scenario for you. You decide whether or not it's something to go to the ER or not. And Dr. Troy Madsen is going to let us know whether or not you guessed correctly. Today's ER or not, you have some food stuck in your throat. And I'm talking about like, it's just you're breathing fine. It's not obstructing your airway, which is definitely always a reason to go to the ER if that airway is blocked. But it's just there and it won't come up. It won't go down. It's uncomfortable. ER or not. Well, this is one of those things, again, emphasis on it's not affecting your airway. It's just something you feel it stuck in your throat. People often point to the base of their neck. They can't swallow even their own saliva. They're just spitting it out. It's something you very well may have to go to the ER for, but there's a trick you can try at home before you go to the ER. And that is take a soda, usually like a cola, try and drink a little bit of it down or get some of it down where it's not coming back up and let it sit there. Now, there's something about soda and cola in particular where it can relax the esophagus. And it's a trick you can try to potentially get that food to pass and get down to the stomach. So this is something that you may avoid to the trip, a trip to the ER for because your only other option is to come to the ER. You can't go to an urgent care for this. You have to come to the ER. Ideally, a larger ER, a center that would have a gastroenterologist on call because they're going to have to come in and retrieve that piece of meat or whatever it is and either push it down to the stomach or pull it out. Yeah, the soda route sounds like a thing to try first before you do that. If it were me, I would try and grab a soda. And again, the challenge is sometimes that it's obstructing things so much that you're even spinning up your own saliva. But if you just feel like something's stuck there, try and get some soda down there. Just let it sit there, you know, five minutes, see how you feel, give it another five minutes. If it were me personally, I'd try it three or four times. And if it's just not working and nothing's going down, then you've got to get to the ER. And again, to stress, in this scenario, you've got something stuck in your throat like a piece of food, but it is not obstructing your breathing. It might be causing like you can't swallow your saliva, but you can breathe okay. Right. Anything that's obstructing your breathing, that's something you need to get immediate help for. Even then, not just ER, but call 911. Um, But if you do this and it's not obstructing your breathing and you drink the cola and it resolves, you probably still should get in to see your doctor. You may sometimes have these rings in the esophagus, little things that food get caught on, that it would be worth having an endoscopy done at some point to look to see if that's there to prevent future problems. But no rush to do anything once it resolves. Just going to leave this here. It's a part of the show where we might talk about something having to do with health or something that's going on in our life, or it could be something completely random and fun. Hopefully. Hopefully. Troy, just questionable. It is questionable. We'll (laughs) see. Here we go. Just going to leave this here. I've uh, made an observation about myself, and I want to know if other people have this same kind of issue. If you give me a decision, whether I'm standing, you know, which line to choose in the grocery store or which lane of traffic to choose when I'm driving somewhere, I'm always going to make the one that takes longer. Always. (laughs) That's the rule. That's how it always works. (laughs) I'll be standing in a grocery store line, or I'll choose between two of them, and I'm like, 
that one looks like it might be faster. And as yeah. soon as I get into it, inevitably, yeah. that's going to be the one that takes longer. Every time at the airport, you've got four <laughs> lines to choose from. And I always choose the wrong one. I don't know why that is, but I know that's my just going to leave this here. I'm glad I'm not alone in that. Well, I'm just going to leave this here. And you said this was going to be interesting and, and fun. So now it's not because I'm talking about science fair. My nephew just competed in science That's fair. Awesome. Did you ever do science fair? I did. I got the people's choice award for my um, telegraph, which, you know, <laughs> would, have been, would have been a great science fair. You the telegraph. <laughs> which would have been a great science fair project like in 1890. Like 150 years ago would have been awesome. <laughs> but I don't know. It, you it, would have been like a thousand air by now. <laughs> <laughs> it was a study. $50. Yeah, it was a study in, uh, you know, magnetic because. Because that's oh, okay. how old telegraphs worked. But yeah. that was what intrigued me. My friend, by the way, did a solar-powered engine, so he was way on the cutting edge of things. Oh, wow. He was on solar it. power. Yeah, so, so my anyway. nephew did a project. He looked at golf balls, and he had these golf balls soaking in water for various periods of time to see it affected how, how far they would bounce and fly. The idea being that you know he would fish golf balls out of streams by golf courses and sell them to golfers. He found they don't work as well. It was a cool little project, just a fun kind of idea. I'm just such a nerd. I did science fair when I was in high school and junior high. This is what I actually did. I actually took soda bottles and did swabs on those bottles to see how many bacteria are on soda bottles. And it was disgusting. Oh, this yeah. Was, this was the stuff you'd buy out of vending machines. But I oh, don't know. so like a vending machine soda bottle. Or a soda can. I that, shouldn't say a soda bottle. A can that you're putting your mouth on and drinking out of. That so has not, not been opened. So you'd go to the yeah. store or a vending machine, you'd buy one of these, and yeah. then you'd swab it, and then you'd see what's living on it. And this is what we're putting our mouths on. So that was my science fair project, was taking soda cans out of vending machines and from stores, doing a swab, and then growing it, and, and seeing the stuff that grows there. Like stuff that could impact our health? Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I don't know. I never, I was didn't never, quite get that far. I get that far. <laughs> I did not isolate the exact strain of E. coli that was on there, but <laughs> there wasn't E. coli on there, was there? I, I don't I, want to start rumors I'm on the show. I'm going to have to go back to my science fair project. So, so don't quote me on we'll saying there was E. coli. Data. Yeah. But anyway. I know people that wipe off. Like, you know, wash off or wipe off the top part of their soda can before oh, yeah. they use it. So that I might would. not be a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, if it's, you know, even if it's coming from a box, it probably sat in some factory for a while. And, you know, there's a certain limit on the number of rat hairs and the amount oh, come of. Come on. No, I'm not joking. No. You can have no. X number of rat hairs and oh, I X see. amount of rat droppings and urine within a within some kind of facility that still meets health code i know and, this is disgusting and we're not saying that's actually on there but i'm not the, saying the there's rat urine on the on but it's you there's know, an acceptable range there's an acceptable as range. opposed to not an acceptable range <laughs> exactly. like which i would think so some is acceptable <laughs> anyway this All is right. a long way of saying that <laughs> science fair is great i, I enjoy the process of discovery and it's fun to the kids are getting into this so that's my just gonna leave this here all right so there you go that t- took a Completely interesting path, and that's (laughs) sometimes what happens with just going to leave this here. Exactly. Time to say the things that you say at the end of podcast because we are at the end of ours. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot that you're taking ownership of your health and you're getting some information and inspiration here. If you haven't yet, please subscribe so we can be a part of your life every week. Yeah, subscribe through anywhere you get your podcasts. You can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash whocaresmenshealth. Our website is whocaresmenshealth.com. Uh, you can contact us, hello, at thescoperadio.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for caring about men's health.